Hello and welcome to the Addicted Austinite, your one-stop podcast for all things Jane Austen. I'm Catherine and today I'm going to be talking to you about sign language in the Georgian era. I have of course just started my Jane Austen BSL videos on YouTube so I thought this would be the perfect opportunity to give you a little bit of a history of sign language in the Georgian era as Jane Austen would have known it and there is evidence to suggest that Jane Austen would actually have known sign language. As with a lot of events in Jane Austen's life, there is some debate about whether she knew sign language or not. So I'm going to give you the evidence and we're going to have a look at it and see what conclusions we can come to. So the evidence that we have that would suggest that Jane Austen knew some form of sign language comes from one of her letters. It's letter 30 in the Project Gutenberg manuscript of her letters. And she's writing to Cassandra in a small passage about a friend that she met. And she says this, Poor man is so totally deaf that they say he could not hear a cannon where it fired close to him. Having no cannon at hand to make the experiment, I took it for granted and talked to him a little with my fingers, which was funny enough. So that is the passage that is causing so much debate about whether Jane knew sign language or not. So let's look at both sides of the argument. On the anti-sign language side, let's call it, some people interpret that passage to mean that Jane is just gesticulating and trying to use her hands to explain what she's talking about a bit more. I think we've all done it when we're trying to get our point across to someone who, for whatever reason, can't exactly understand what we're saying and we get quite gestural and we start moving our hands and making little movements to try and emulate what we're saying to make sure that our point gets across. That is a perfectly valid conclusion to come to because she doesn't mention specifically that she communicates with him using sign language and she doesn't mention it anywhere else in her letters. But let's look at the pro-sign language arguments as well. Now the first argument that is for Jane knowing sign language is her wording. She says that she spoke to him a little with her fingers. Now to me and to other historians that is very specific language. When you are gesticulating to try and enhance your your vocal communication to someone, as the anti-sign language argumenters would have Jane doing, you're using your hands and you're using your body and you are gesticulating. You're not talking with your hands. And fingers is a very specific word to use because a lot of sign language, the alphabet in particular, is based on your fingers. That's how you spell words to people in sign language is using your fingers. So it's a very specific thing to say when hands would have been a more appropriate word to use if she was simply gesticulating to try and get her point across. 
And to back up the idea that Jane Austen would have known sign language and to give a reason for her knowing sign language, the pro-sign language side of this argument point to her brother George. Now, if you can remember all the way back to our episode about Jane's family, I mentioned that there's not a lot we know about George Austen because he didn't live with the family because he was disabled. Now, granted, there's not a lot of information about what his disabilities were, but it is suggested that he was deaf and dumb, so he didn't speak and he couldn't hear people talking to him. And even though George didn't live with the family, we know that he saw the Austins a lot. They would visit him and they would sit with him and communicate with him. So there is every reason for Jane Austen to know some form of sign language or be able to spell words on her fingers so that she can talk to her brother. So those are the main points on either side of the did Jane Austen know sign language argument. I'm going to let you come to your own conclusions. Um, Personally, I think that this passage would suggest that Jane did know some form of sign language, most likely, more likely than not, uh, the alphabet on her fingers. But I can see how it could be interpreted another way. And that is something that happens when you are a historian. Sometimes you do not have concrete proof that something happened or that somebody did something or that somebody knew something. So it is up to you to intuit from the evidence that you have what actually happened. So I cannot say for definite, yes, Jane Austen knew sign language, but I can say that it is more likely than not that she knew some kind of signing communication to use with deaf people. So now that we have some kind of understanding of the did Jane Austen know sign language argument, let's have a look at the kind of sign language that she might have known. Because the 18th century 1700s was an important time for the deaf community and signers. It's a revolution of sign language. We start to see a more structured, more universal language that all deaf people could use to communicate. We see pamphlets and books being distributed and we have the first school for deaf and dumb students in 1760. This was created by Thomas Braidwood. He set up the Braidwood Academy for deaf and dumb students and he used what would become known as the Braidwood system, which is a combination system of sign language, of articulation and lip reading as well. So as I said, very important time for sign language and for deaf communities within Britain. We haven't quite reached the BSL, British Sign Language, that we have today, but we see the roots of it during this era. And according to most historians focusing on the history of the deaf and of sign language, the alphabet that we use in modern day BSL had pretty much found its form, its present form, by 1720. 
and this comes from a pamphlet called Digiti Lingua. That is a Latin name, so I'm not sure if I've entirely pronounced it correctly, but fingers crossed. Um, and this was a 200 alphabet that was distributed to deaf communities within Britain. You can see copies of it online. I'm going to post a picture of, of this pamphlet. You can see the alphabet that they suggest that you use. I'm going to post that on my Facebook and on my Twitter when I post this episode. So if you want to have a look, you can go and see it on my pages. And this alphabet is very, very close to the alphabet that we use today. Some minor differences, for example, the vowels work in the opposite direction to modern day BSL. So instead of your thumb being A, it's your little finger and you work that way across your hand. Whereas modern day BSL, you start with your thumb for A and then work the other vowels along your remaining fingers. There are also a few other letters that are different. For example, Z, you would just draw a Z on your hand and various other letters that are slightly different to what we have today. But for the most part, it is very similar to the BSL alphabet that we know today. So unless you're being taught specifically sign language, the most common form of deaf communication that people would have used was a manual alphabet on your fingers and you would just spell out words that you wanted to communicate. There were a few other alphabets available. There was a one-handed alphabet that came from Juan Martin Bonet. So this is a Spanish alphabet that was translated into English as well. So there is a suggestion that people in England would have known the Spanish one-handed alphabet. And that one-handed alphabet is more reflected in modern-day American Sign Language, ASL, which also uses a one-handed alphabet. And again, I'm going to post the pictures of what these alphabets look like so you can have a look and you can compare them. We also have another alphabet in a book from George Dalgano. Now the book, please don't laugh while I try and pronounce this because it is an odd word. The book is called Didascalocophus. <laughs> Very long word. Um, and in it, Dalgano talks about using signs in his teaching because he used to teach in a private grammar school and his alphabet all fits on one hand and the different joints of your hand and of your fingers is a different letter and again I will post another picture of that as well for you to see and the last one is an alphabet from a man called Charles de la Fine who would use different body parts to express different letters. So for example, the letter L would point to your lips and the letter W would be a point to your wrist. So those are some of the alphabets that were around at the time and would have been more likely for Jane Austen to know if we do decide that she did speak sign language. We can't say for certain, of course, which of these alphabets Jane might have known. She doesn't mention signing or fingerspelling again after that one little passage that I read you at the beginning. So there's really not a lot of information there. But again, we can use our historian skills and make some inferences. For example, it could be more likely that Jane knew 
the Dalgarno alphabet. Um, Dalgarno taught in Oxford and where Jane grew up in Hampshire. She's closer to Oxfordshire than she is to Scotland, where Thomas Braidwood set up his academy. And of course, Juan Bonet's alphabet was primarily published in Spain, even though we do have translated English copies. So once again, with details about Jane's life, we are left with inference and suggestion over hard facts. But personally, I feel confident in saying that Jane Austen knew some form of sign language and a finger alphabet so that she could conversate with her brother and happily communicate with this other deaf friend who she mentions in her letter. But again, that is just my personal interpretation of the evidence that is put in front of me. So I would love to hear what conclusions you've come to um, from the evidence that I've presented in this episode. I would love to hear your thoughts. Do you think that Jane Austen knew sign language or not? Drop a comment on your podcast platform, however you listen to this podcast. Or you can also find me on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, So let me know what you think about this episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Addicted Austenite. I hope you've enjoyed it. And if you have, please do like and subscribe and share and all those lovely things that we podcasters really appreciate. I will see you next time for a new episode. And until then, happy reading. Your faithful servant, the author.